0: Our scripture reading today is taken from Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 41. And our sermon today is entitled, The Book of Acts, The Message of Pentecost. This is the word of the Lord. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you The great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised them up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord was always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. that he was not abandoned to hatred, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to him, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. Why don't we say hello to one another once again, just look around to say hello. Hello to those of us who are joining online today as well. We continue our series on the book of Acts And we come to one of the most audacious, simple, yet most effective message that is found in the Bible. It is a lesson for us as God's people, a lesson to those who would be preachers in the future, and a lesson to just all of us about what words can change our hearts, and what words should lead us to Christ himself. We live in a world today where we care a lot about the means of getting people to gather together. Marketing is a field today that is relatively new that happened in the 1950s and the 1960s. Before that, people would simply gather at the town square because, well, they had nowhere else to go. You'd come to the town square because that's where all the action was. That's where all the vendors came to sell their wares. That's where you would get the food. That was the latest cuisine of the day. But that's also where you get all the prophets and all the different religious leaders espousing their way to God, and espousing their way to wisdom, and espousing their way to what a good life should look like. And in many ways, all of us today are still looking for that magic, looking for that formula of what it means to live a life of contentment, a life honoring to God, and a life fulfilling for ourselves, as well. This has only been exasperate, exasperated in the last two, three years with COVID, but also it's always just always been part of the American culture and part of our global culture nowadays, as well. That we're all looking to be fulfilled. We're all looking for a place that we belong. God teaches us something a, a little bit different about our desires. These desires that we have are not bad in and of themselves. We are made in God's image and, and our that image bearer that we have, that image bearing that we have, dictates that we were made by someone and that we were made in such a way that we belong to someone. When you see little children around you, you see a glimpse of that. These children are, when you look at them, bear the image and likeness of their parents. Not only physical characteristics, right, but their personalities come out as well. But you see these children, these children know that they belong to their mom and their dad. And in fact, even children who, who do not know their parents, have a longing. To know who mom and dad, are. We are made in God's image, all of us. And we're all seeking to see and find where we belong. And we look in different places. We look to one another. We look to community. We look to our culture. But we're smart enough to know that nothing truly satisfies. In fact, most of us simply live a life and say, this is the best it's going to be. Let's sort of just deal with it. But deep down inside all of our hearts, eternity, a longing for eternity reigns. And our longing for God and His grace and His love is what you and I are truly desiring. A longing to be fully known by God and loved by God. A longing for someone to show us the path of life and to walk that path with us someone that we could hold their hands and say, God, just lead me. Show me where to go. This is the God that we have. And this is the God who loves us. Now, the way that we are able to enter into this relationship is dictated not by us, but it's dictated by God, and rightfully so. A child does not dictate to a parent how the relationship should work. If a child does dictate that to the parents, there's something amiss about the relationship. But ultimately, that the parent dictates to the child that I am your father, I am your mother, I will do what's best for our family and what's best for you. And the child listens, hopefully. But our creator God, not only has made, not only has he made us, but he has every right to dictate his terms of love and his terms of salvation for you and me. If he did not, he would not be God. If he did not, we would simply have contempt for this God and not love and respect. He would not be someone that was worth following. Some of you have people in your workplace who are above you, managers or, or um, advisors, And one thing you don't want your manager to do is to come to you and say to you, can you tell me how to do my job? It's like, that's not my job. My job is for you to manage me and I will do the work. And you will lose respect for that person. The God that we worship is a perfect and holy God. And someone to be feared but also someone, someone who will always love us and draw near to us. So here we are in Acts. and we see in Acts chapter one, once again, the Holy Spirit has come, and all the apostles are starting to speak in different languages. And we see that the spirit, when it comes upon the people, everyone is speaking in a language that the Jewish people from the diaspora who are in the temple to worship God, they start hearing the gospel, not in Hebrew, not in Aramaic, but in their own particular language that they grew up in. And they're all amazed. Here we are, worshiping God. We want to draw near to God. God is still a little bit hands length away from us because the language difference that is there. But all of a sudden, here are these men, unlearned, speaking our language and telling us about God himself. And we hear and we understand. Many people were amazed but there were a couple who scoffed saying, "These are drunk people. It's their drunkenness that has allowed them to, to speak this language." And then Peter stands up. And Peter gives. Peter gives the reason for Pentecost. Peter gives us the reason for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Peter gives us the understanding of the purpose of the Holy Spirit that comes upon those who believe. This is important, brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit is not what you want the Spirit to make do not make the Holy Spirit in your own image. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of these tongues of fire, can be summarized in this sermon. And if you believe that the Spirit can do more than that, we can have a conversation later, that's fine when the first things are not first, then we will always miss the target of what God had intended for the Spirit of God. So let's look at this sermon. Let's look at how Peter has decided by by the the movement of the Spirit to preach the news to people. Uh, Let's see how Peter decides to interpret by by God's help, the phenomena of what's happening around us. Let's see what Peter will say about who the God is and how he has revealed himself today. And we, as God's people, must listen and must heed to the words of God himself. Point number one. Peter himself quotes scripture Peter himself is not talking off the cuff about what he's just seen and saw Peter is not sort of in a trance simply saying I need the spirit of God to speak to me and to give me special words to tell others what is happening Peter does not need to go to each and and every one of the people. Neither does he address the people who were saying that they were drunk and say, Come here, let me look into your eyes. Let me look into your heart. Let me tell you what the Spirit is telling me about you. Peter does not do that. The centrality of Peter is a message. Let's go back to Joel, the prophet Joel. Let's go back to the Psalms. the the kingly psalms about about King David. Let's go back to the Old Testament, you people who know God himself, and let us see what Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us in Joel that there will be a day when everyone will prophesy. In other words, when the Spirit of God will come upon each and every one of us, men, women, even children, even maidservants, male servants, and, and female servants, All of them will have the Holy Spirit, and they will prophesy. In other words, they will be able to experience God himself and to be able to speak and preach the gospel in such a way that is not outside the will of God, not outside of Scripture, but just like Peter, to be able to preach the gospel From Scripture itself. You see, Peter's confidence in this new age of the Holy Spirit was not to completely cut himself from the Old Testament, but it was to ground himself in the Old Testament and to ground himself in the prophecies. For us as God's people, we are privileged to be able to have not only Old and the New Testament but even we ourselves who have the Holy Spirit. Our joy and our duty and our peace depends not upon us going into a corner without our Bibles and just simply praying to God according to what our hearts want. God is merciful. He'll listen to you for a while. But the blessing that we receive is when we go into that corner with the very words of God and to allow the Holy Spirit to use that scripture and the very words of God himself to give us comfort, to challenge us, and to give us joy. The Bible is the very words of God. And Peter understood that as well. And we too must come to God's word with fear and trembling, but with eager expectation that whatever God's word says is for ultimately our good and ultimately to grow our relationship and nearness to God himself. when we read God's word, it should challenge you. If it didn't challenge you, then there's no no reason to read it. We always go to God's word, asking God, let your word to change me. Not go to God's word and say, God, let me find something that I can use. God's word is his very will for you and I, and Peter understood this. And later on, and we just go through Acts, you will see that what the, what Peter and Paul continue to preach about is grounded in the scriptures that they had. Second, their sermon, his sermon or his message, is the most boring message I've ever heard. If you were in the grew in the Christian church itself. It, it's quite boring. What does he say? He says, number one, Jesus Christ, who you saw live amongst you doing many miracles. You, all of you, you crucified him. Number two, he, he died according to the scriptures. But death could not hold him. Hades could not hold him. And number three, he rose again from the dead and is now in the lineage of David himself, the king not only of Israel, but the king of all of the universe. And that this Jesus is to be worshipped and glorified. That's it. That's it. That's the message. And I want you to hear that and understand that. Knowing Jesus and coming to know him is not that complicated. Knowing and walking with Jesus is not some kind of secret sauce. But to know that Jesus has come into history and lived amongst us and loved his people. To know that he lived that perfect life and that in his death that he took our sins. That he bridged the gap of relationship between us and him. We are here, Jesus is here, and Jesus came to us. To know that he has given all who believe in him, not only the forgiveness of sins, but to be called sons and daughters of God. To be able to call upon his name and to walk with him. To know that you do not no longer have to go to the temple in Jerusalem. But that you can worship God wherever you want because the spirit has come. The spirit has come upon them and has dispersed the power and the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. To even here at this place in Peachtree Corners. And to know that Jesus himself will one day return. And we await with both trepidation and joy. Fear and a holy, holy love for God's kingdom to come. This is the message that Peter preaches. Nothing more and, and nothing less. Brothers and sisters, I want to urge you, stop complicating your own lives and stop complicating Christianity. Stop complicating your relationship with Jesus. Stop saying, well, what about this? What about that? Stop saying, well, I don't understand this. I don't understand that. Just know that the God of this universe came down to save you and that you belong to him. And then trust Him. Trust Him to show you the path of life. When you come to God's Word, make the mistake of just saying, excuse me, when you read God's Word and and it shows you something marvelous about, about God, worship Him. When it shows you a sin that you have to repent, just repent. And when it's just, when there's a, a, a command to obey, just obey. And God will draw you near. God will show himself to you. Yes, life is complicated. Being a parent is hard. Having older parents as children this is a new season for many of us. Being in college is hard. Being in relationships is hard. Living in this world is hard. But you know what's not hard? Trusting in our God. And knowing that he has all things under his control. A story that I like to tell about the, about our ministry is um, a familiar one to many of you who have been with me for a, a while. But I remember at, uh, at churches that I've served at in the past, um, one church in particular, we we built a new basketball gym. And it was a full court, full court. And the the leaders of the church told me, um, Pastor Young, now your ministry will, will really grow. You're going to have a big ministry. And it was a Korean church, so all I could say is just yes, because I couldn't say anything else, you know. But deep down in my heart, I, was, I said to myself, yeah, maybe you need to hire someone else. Now, don't get me wrong, we used that gym really well. We used it very well. But there's something that I always learned when, just as a kid, and that I think you understand even now as adults. The means by which you try to win, the means by which you try to win someone to the gospel, okay? Whatever means you use to try to win someone to Jesus, you actually don't win them to Jesus. You actually win them to those means. We try to do our best. If someone gives you say, says, if you come to our restaurant, we'll give you a lot of swag, you go for the swag. You, you, as business people, you hope they keep coming back, but you know that there are a lot of people who come just for the means. Peter did not preach like that. the means by which I will win you to Jesus is Jesus. Here he is. The one who lived, the one who died, the one who resurrected, the one who ascended, the one who will come back. Here he is. Here's my best friend. Here's my Savior. Here's my God. Thirdly and lastly, Peter's sermon ends with a call to those to come and believe. This simple sermon cut people to the heart and they asked Peter, what should we then do? Peter simply says, confess your sins, repent, be baptized. There were 3,000 people who were baptized that day. And that call for us today is the same. Whether you know Jesus already or whether it's your very first time. How can I get my life back, Pastor Young? How can I have peace again, Pastor Young? How can I, how can I grow my relationship with the Lord again, Pastoria? Don't complicate things. Repent. Believe. And walk with the God who loves you. This is the message of Pentecost it's also the message of the gospel, the only message that has saved for over 2,000 years. And this message will continue on until the Lord returns. Praise be to our God. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, there truly is no one like you. And Father, Lord, we confess, Lord God, that the longings of our heart and the ways that we fill those longings, Lord God, well, we know, Lord, that they are only temporary, and we understand that. We ask of you instead, Lord, to help us, empower us, yes, by your Spirit, to say yes to your Son, Jesus, Yes to his death. Yes to his resurrection. Yes to salvation, Lord God. And let us simply return to you. For Father, we know that however complicated this world is, no matter how how intricate our sins may be, Lord, the solution is always the same. Come to you first. Be loved by you, forgiven by you, given hope by you. And then, Lord, you will walk with us intimately, Lord, to enter into the problems of this world in a way, Lord, that we can shine like stars. So, Lord, be with our church and be with all the churches. That the simple message of the gospel would continue to go forth, and that all men and women would worship you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.